0: You're listening to episode number 19 of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Today we have our first return guest, Bonnie Wisorik. Our conversation with Bonnie centers on partnership councils or infrastructures as an action-step strategy to strengthen the horizontal relationship pole in the vertical and horizontal relationship polarity. There's years of wisdom and experience revealed in this episode. Don't miss it.
1: Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been
0: interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30 years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy, healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted
1: on change efforts that are not sustainable. In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem-solving tactics.
0: Hello, this is Michelle and Tracy. We are back on the Airwaves and we are so excited about today's episode. We had our first return guest, Bonnie Wassorak, and we are always
1: so excited to be with Bonnie. She's one of a kind. Oh, she is, you know. She was one of our first podcast guests with Dr. Barry Johnson. And uh, we that was episode number 2. So, if you haven't listened to that, we highly encourage you to go back and listen to that and we'll put the link in the show notes for you. You know, Bonnie's been our long-time esteemed mentor and colleague.
0: Yes, and she has done phenomenal work, and she was the first to bring polarity thinking to healthcare, and she's the author of Polarity Thinking in Healthcare, The Missing Logic to Achieve Transformation. And uh, just a little bit more, Bonnie, in addition to the extensive bio we have uh, in episode number two. She was really a pioneer in creating healthy, healing work cultures. She developed a professional practice framework that grew across North America. She established a thriving uh, international consortium. And I would say, Tracy, she's a master at co-creating.
1: Nobody can co-create like Bonnie. I know.
0: The other thing to know about Bonnie is um, she led and was co-author of the Partnership Council field book, Strategies and Tools for Co-Creating a Healthy Work Culture, and was really committed to understanding what clinicians and leaders needed. And she
1: always put action where her words were. That's what I just so admire about her. She certainly did. And today we're talking about the vertical and horizontal relationship polarity, right? That hierarchy partnership polarity. And we did a previous episode on this as well, episode number nine. So if you haven't listened to that, Go back and listen to that, because that was done in the context of interprofessional collaboration and how that polarity plays out in that context. Um, but today, we're going to have a little bit different take on this. Today, we're going to talk about this polarity, um, kind of why it's hard to manage it, right, and really leverage it. it it's, a, it's probably one of the more difficult ones to do. And um, what infrastructure really most supports the horizontal pole, because again, right? We're pretty used to hierarchy. We know how that works, a vertical, you know, Mm -hmm. vertical relationships we're all really familiar with. The ones we struggle with more are the horizontal relationships. And uh, Bonnie was an expert at this and she taught us how to be experts at it as well. So that's what our focus is going to be today.
0: Yeah. So many of you will recognize that You know, we do need this infrastructure, and we may know it by different names. Uh, Shared governance is certainly a name that is prominent in healthcare. Um, From our experience, we called it the Partnership Council. And Tracy, I was just reading an article this week on shared leadership, and they are trying to find out how to leverage vertical and horizontal relationships. And I'm like, you need an
1: infrastructure. That's right. That's how you do it, folks. <laughs> and we can say that because we lived it. Mm-hmm. We actually lived it. This is a this is near and dear to our heart, right? This was like going down memory lane, Michelle. Yes. You know, when we first started working together as leaders in critical care, and we were working on one of the first interprofessional projects, right? Sharing blood draws, nursing, and respiratory therapy, Oh, right? my. And oh, boy. I would tell you, it was big, right? And people were like freaking out. <laughs> but we were kind of doing this planning session, right, and talking about how are we going to communicate? How are we going to get the voices of all the clinicians into this process? And and Michelle said to me, "Well, we'll just have to take it to the unit based council." And I'm like, "Well, what the heck is a unit based council, right?" Because this was a nursing structure to start with, and it just lit a fire in me. And you know, we implemented one in our respiratory department, and then pretty soon we had interprofessional councils, and they were partnership councils. I mean, it just grew and grew and grew. But it just was like going right back to that day when we were sitting there in the ICU talking about how we were going to do this project and how we could leverage this infrastructure to bring people together. Yeah. Yeah, It was really cool.
0: Yeah, and once you've lived with it, you can't imagine not having it. And when, if you do, in fact, that's often how things happen. People would leave one organization with a council infrastructure, go to another one, and then call us up. Hey, can you come over here? We really need this. (laughs) That happened a lot. Yeah. And just to build on what you said, Tracy, it really was life changing, both personally and professionally, these experiences. And, it was more than you know, empowering staff. It really was truly building those partnerships. And I know that as a leader and being part of a partnership council, it was the tool that really made my role evident, and we worked collaboratively together. And I always said the council meeting was the one meeting I would never miss because oh, yeah. it was so rich.
1: Oh, it was. And you know what? It didn't just change who you were at work. It changed who you were. Right. it changed how we were together who we were being you know it made a significant difference just in my personal life because mm-hmm. it was about partnering relationships and you learned so much about what that meant in dialogue how to have meaningful conversation right there was so much more than just coming together to talk about you know uh, clinical practice I mean that was really important but you were learning life skills right that's right and the great part about this particular interview is is a couple days after we had this interview, we got to be with a bunch of people that we worked with and that we did this work within the hostel. Yes. And it was so phenomenal. It was. So, yeah, it was really cool. So,
0: are you ready to hear Bonnie? I'm ready. Okay, without further ado, here's Bonnie Vasorek.
1: Hi, Bonnie. Hello. Well, hi, Tracy, Michelle. It's so good to have you back with us. It is. You're a record breaker, my dear. In more ways than one.
0: <laughs> Actually, Bonnie, we're so excited because you're our first guest that has been on our show twice. Yeah. Yes. So um, we feel so privileged to have you back with us again today. And um, we just want to know, have you been enjoying our podcast?
2: Oh, yes. I have listened to all your podcasts and... I think what makes your podcast so good is that they are designed to have meaningful conversation about real day-to-day issues facing everyone who is in healthcare. And another pattern that I noticed is that the conversation flows because the two of you are engaged and your experiences, expertise, and wisdom related to these day-to-day work of creating best places to give and receive care brings a context that provides a listener, I think, a deeper personal, professional, local, and global vision. So I'm thrilled to participate. Oh, well, that's great. great. Well, you know, we try to keep it real, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping it real. Well, we're so
0: excited um, when we decided that we really wanted to revisit uh, a, a polarity we've already talked about, and that is the vertical, horizontal, or hierarchy and partnership polarity. And uh, Trace and I did an episode on it uh, earlier around the context of interprofessional education and collaborative practice, but we wanted to bring it to the practice setting and to the healthcare environments in the context of leadership and just organizational relationships. And we said, oh my gosh, we have to invite Bonnie Wazork to come back to really talk about this polarity with us and all of her experience and wisdom. And before we get started... Just wanted to say that we'll probably we'll probably um use the terms vertical and horizontal because as we know polarities represent neutral poles and um with the vertical representing hierarchy and the horizontal representing partnerships. And um I you're just the perfect person to talk about this polarity today. Yeah. So can you share from your perspective uh the significance you think this polarity has on healthcare and what you've uncovered about it. Well,
2: um, you know, I think probably I represent a little history um, within the context of leadership relationships and work cultures, and looking at the healthcare history, I think will not only explain. Um, Each poll must have a neutral name, but it will explain the importance of this polarity and why every leader needs to not just understand it, but live it if they want to have a healthy, vibrant culture for all those in in their system for now. So, you know what? It's sort of a broad topic and (laughs) I found myself thinking, holy smokes, how am I going to deal with this Uh, to be honest with you? And, um, And like I said, I was glad that we were seeing it from a perspective of history. So just for context on leadership, I found uh, the history of Parker Palmer is really important for all of us in leadership to ponder and remember, because he said something that I was with him one evening and it just struck me. He said, you know what a leader is. It's a person who has an unusual degree of power to project on other people his or her shadow or his or her light. A leader is a person who has an unusual degree of power to create the conditions under which other people must live and move and have their being and condition that can be either as illuminating as heaven or as shadowy as hell. He concluded that quote by saying this. A leader is a person who must take special responsibility for what's going on inside him or herself, inside his or her consciousness, lest the act of leadership create more harm than good. This polarity speaks to the responsibility, I think, of every leader who sets the stage for relationships, which in fact will determine their culture and the health of their culture. Now, my personal history with this polarity may be helpful for others. I have lived the last 58 years of this history. This polarity is about relationships and the quality of relationships. And the history of relationships in healthcare is historically, I think, very clear. The roots of healthcare relationships are associated with the norms within church, military, and academia. And all these entities are hierarchical in nature. These relationships are based on power. The kind of, you know, the buck stops here kind of power. Mm -hmm. A common term, yeah, emerged as I was uh, moving into the practice field, and the term is boss subordinate. Mm -hmm. Within this, everyone knew who was in charge, who was the most important, and who the boss was. And, And I noticed that there were two distinct groups of power. There was clinical power, and that was controlled by the physician. And there was administrative power that really ranged from the CEO right down to the unit manager. Now, I know this dates me, but when I was in nursing school many years ago, we were taught that we always stood when the physician entered the station, and we were actually expected to give them our seats. Now, we understood, and I can say felt, it was a form of deep respect. Sounds sort of military in nature, doesn't it? The, yeah. physicians, the physicians were the boss over patient care, and the administration or managers seemed to be the boss over us, those who gave the care that were not physicians. And you know what? This was a norm. It wasn't even questioned. It's just the way it was. I became deeply aware, though, at the same time that this was going on, that I was surrounded by very good people. I realized in school that the educators, all the people in our rotations, they were committed and intelligent. And I have never doubted that to this day. They cared as much as I did about making sure the care was good. And I knew they knew a whole lot more than I did. Let me me repeat that. I knew they knew a whole lot more than I did. (laughs) I look back and think the fact that I was uh, raised also A faith based education from first grade through nursing school that I was markedly influenced. I mention that because there was a natural understanding that we were accountable to the mission to serve humanity. It was a calling, not a job, a call to serve those in need of health care. It was instilled in us. It was instilled in us to respect the personhood and care for each person as an individual. The reason that's so important. It spoke to why I personally entered the profession and I think most of my colleagues. So when I went into practice many years ago, I entered with great passion and compassion. I remember realizing that I had to know way more than I did if I was going to live my mission or purpose as well as make it in the real world. I concentrated on learning everything I could from those around me as well as reading and studying. Therefore, doing what the doctor said or the manager expected seemed appropriate, partially because they seemed to know much more than I did. It it seemed appropriate until it didn't. It took me a while to assess the culture and patterns of practice around me. It took me a while to realize what the doctor said may not be the best thing to do for the patient. What the manager expected of me and what they expected me to do was not always the best and What my peers expected wasn't always the best for the people we care for or for us as provider. What I didn't realize that I was experiencing the downside of hierarchical boss subordinate relationships. I didn't know what to call it and I certainly didn't know that this was one pole of a polarity nor did anyone else around me at this time. We didn't even know what the other pole was for healthy relations. So as we call the horizontal or partnerships. The healthcare culture was unipolar. And we know that it is a hundred percent predictable and if only one pole of the polarity is supported, it will always go to the downside of the dominant pole. The culture was not healthy. So you you, you know you may wonder when and how did it come to, to be that healthy relationships um, were optional. Because I think that's what I was experiencing. (coughs) Excuse me. Well, this reality, I hope I didn't go on too long with it, led (laughs) to to institutional practice. One directed by doctor's orders, hospital policies, procedures, rituals, and patterns, and routines. All understandably important in this fast-paced world. Over time, though, what happened is we became less driven by the mission and more driven by how quickly you could get things done. We became task-dominated, and we began to even see our patients in a different way, more as a medical diagnosis, because, you know, that's what the doctors were dealing with. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I was in that generation where we actually referred to the the people by their diagnosis. We'd say, I got the heart in two. Well, I've got the kidney in three. (laughs) And as we dehumanized our work, you know what we found we could get more things done the result i found myself living in a hierarchical test dominated often margin driven and fragmented system i saw people in our history lose their passion and sadly saw fear and that they wouldn't speak up and they you started hearing things like well it doesn't matter what i think it, there was a powerlessness and oh blame was everywhere When anything went wrong we always blame somebody else I remember overhearing conversation from the bosses. It wasn't just amongst us. And they would say things like, you know, how do we get buy-in around here? How do we motivate these people? Why are there so many complaints? And why don't they volunteer to help make this place uh, better? So um, in that, what I didn't know, like I said, is that we were experiencing the downside of hierarchical power. Um, but but i have to tell you even before i knew about polarities i knew something had to be done the culture was not healthy to the point we could not carry out our practice so when i learned about polarity and realized that both poles of a polarity are good i understood that the name of the poles needed to be positive and the word hierarchy because of what historically took place would put people on the defensive immediately so the term vertical It was understood back then because it represented the typical organizational structure, which could be seen as neutral. Um, And it may even lead to us understanding it if we called it something else. We needed a positive or neutral term that did not come with a baggage of our history. What became evident in our history from this brief little overview of history was, these polarities never go away. They are not problems to solve. And if you don't get it right to manage them, you will have another chance. That's the good news because they're not going away. So we knew we needed to act on this. And we have to remember that hierarchy is about controlling behavior, not about expanding potential. Governance is not the center of relationships. The mission is. And in this history, that became less obvious.
1: Wow. You know, and I think even, you know, you talk about this history, Bonnie, you know, from the time when you first entered into the profession, but many, many years later, right, It it's still there, right? We still see some of these things happening in healthcare today. So I think, you know, when I think about how does this show up, it's still showing up in some regards in the
2: same ways. Yes. Yeah. It sure is. And, you know, what we've learned about that is – that polarity show up with complaints and um you know the poor work disengagement dissatisfaction you here's what's important for us as polarity thinkers you will hear the early warning signs and then you will be able to see the actual downside of each poll being experienced with the people around you um that is why i think it's important to know the map of each polarity. What is critical here is that this polarity and how well it is managed is core to a healthy culture. And the importance of a healthy culture is that it impacts the ability to reach the greater purpose of every other polarity. A healthy culture is built on healthy relationships which require this be really managed well. Now, I think, over the years, we know the power of culture. Most have experienced walking into a unit and thought, oh, you could cut the tension with a knife around here. Or, <laughs> it, or it, this is just a vibrant place. You feel it. Right. And I think it's important for us to just pause a moment and understand culture. I know what we did uh, is try to say, what is it? Everybody talks about it. And they'll tell you clearly it's invisible, right? But there's something tangible. there's a about it. And I thought, well, what in the world is a tangible? And you know, take it with a grain of salt. I believe the tangible presence is simply the unseen souls of the many who walk there. And a healthy culture, one in which the unseen souls of the many who walk there, they're they're simply connected. And what connects us is the mission that part of their work that speaks to their heart, their passion. And the mission of healthcare is intimate work in the development of humanity. So what's an unhealthy culture? Well, one in which the unseen souls of the many who walk there are disconnected and they're disconnected from each other. And then they lose the impact of a shared mission. I think, I think it's important to remember we can't connect with another unless we are connected to our own soul, which by the way, leads to a whole lot of work that we have to do personally and individually.
1: Well, that's the self-other, right? Absolutely. Self-other polarity, right? Our own personal growth, yeah. our own reflection, our own personal work so that we can contribute to the whole and connect with others. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's just so important, the whole culture piece, right? Oh, it keeps coming up over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah, because it's, it, and it's the hard work, right? That's the hardest Work. And in some respects, delivering the care is the easy part. Mm-hmm. But creating the environment, right? Creating that culture that fosters right relationship, only, you know, healthy personal relationship and connected, right, right with others. That's just it's hard work. You know? mm-hmm. 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 It's very you have to be very intentional
0: and it takes leadership. Yeah. Right. And yet often it's referred to as the
1: soft stuff. Yeah. But really it's the hard stuff. <laughs>
2: It really is. It, it is.
1: is. It really is. And I, you know, I think uh, I really appreciated your, just the statement that you made about, right, it seemed appropriate until it didn't. And yes. I just think sometimes in some organizations and in some points in time, it becomes, you know, there becomes this awareness that it's not okay. It's kind of like, you know, as we talked about in the interprofessional context, right? Right. It's not yes. okay to not be connected to not have the relationships to not have the culture that supports the best right. from all of us right and and in organizationally overall right with leadership and and clinicians I just I did that just really struck me when you said that earlier mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. so you know what I notice in uh, organizations when when I'm in the literature, uh, and, and what we know, a key um, indicator of a polarity, right, Bonnie, is when we're moving away from something and towards something else, right? Mm-hmm. And because of this history and because of the, the negative feelings that we've had and the unhealthiness of it, you see a lot of, well, we've got to move away from hierarchy and towards partnership or away from this vertical, you know, responsibilities to this more horizontal. And, and it's always that from and to. Right. And we know it has to be both. Um, But like, how do we how how do we help people actually embrace the vertical? Um, You know, that seems to be what they want to get away from because of the negative experiences they've had. But what advice do you have for people to really help them embrace that vertical side while they're building the horizontal?
2: Well, probably um, if they don't understand polarity first and 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 actually um, I think, know the principles and can can see how they work. it It makes sense that when you live in the downside of polarity, you would look to an opposite polarity, an opposite reality, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have a voice, you seek to have a voice. And I think why it's been uh, moving to and from we had no precedent historically for the horizontal and partnering relationships. In addition, we had no understanding of the principles of polarity. We saw this issue as a problem to be solved. And when you're going from a problem to be solved, you're going from something to something and you actually believe that that will take care of it. But when you understand it's a polarity, you learn that it has to be both. And so we have to go back and find the positive reality and a new way of thinking um, about power. And there's nothing wrong with vertical power. It's just that some people were threatened by it because that they lived in the downside for so long. And so without experiencing the positive of both poles, they only saw the downside of any other pole. They had a greater fear of losing their power and with polarities, there's no giving up your preference pole. There's only complementing it, synchronizing it. Um, but we didn't know that. And so we thought, okay, anything vertical wasn't, wasn't good. I, I remember, it just dawned on me, I remember a situation that was very powerful. It was in the critical care unit. And we had been working on um, understanding this polarity of vertical and horizontal and this evening uh, a physician walked into the unit and he was a deeply respected um, neurologist and he was coming to see his patient and as soon as he entered the room i immediately went over got his chart got him a cup of coffee set it down on the desk and talked with him and as i was walking by this One nurse, after that happened, she grabbed my arm and it actually hurt and said, What in the hell are you doing? You are moving this back in time. You see, she saw this as a vertical move. And what she didn't know is that on this very day that he cared enough to come and see this patient in crisis, his wife was in our hospital was intubated and because of her severe arthritis, her neck was broken and she was paralyzed. And what I learned from this situation is that we have so much work to do about caring for each other, knowing each other's story and that his position was not dictating this, it was, his circumstances. He was another colleague. And I admired him so, and the fact that he was there. So anyway.
1: Wow. Wow. Such a powerful example, right? And (laughs) I think too, of assumptions, like, Uh, that's what I was thinking. And how our history informs us, right? And our, informs our interpretations of what's right in front of us, right? And so coming from that, trying to move away from, right? That's the first place that that individual went to just because of their... Yeah, and
0: it is the principles of polarity and partnership that are going to break those patterns and help us realize that, you know, what we see may not be reality, and we really need each other to, you know, to break through that.
1: What a great learning opportunity for that person too, right?
0: yeah, so, as we really look then at strengthening that horizontal or that partnership pull, which basically had not was not the norm at all. Like you said, it really didn't even exist. Um, and what we've learned throughout the years is you know you really have to have an infrastructure to really support that, create it, sustain it. And um you know many organizations in healthcare today, you know now know the word shared governance. And it was—it's been historically um, embraced by nursing to engage nurses and to empower nurses, you know, and other health professions. But it's pretty strong in the nursing profession, um, and they really emphasize, you know, shared decision making, uh, accountability, you know, really being involved with um, their practice decisions and their work environment. So we want to go back to your work in the clinical practice model consortium. And where this emerged from, from the wisdom of a consortium about having to have an infrastructure that really incorporated all those elements and and really relied on this transformation of relationships, meaningful conversations, and, and shared purpose. And um, tell us a little bit of how that came about and the intentional design about it and really, really what was learned about it through the years.
2: Um. Because we are so embedded in problem solving, it's embedded in our DNA, it was very difficult for us to um, come to grips with uh, believing, almost believing that partnership was the other pole and that we had to admit we didn't know much about it and we had to do a great deal of work to uncover what it really meant to us. We spent hours and hours of evaluation with our peers. What does partnership look like? What what do we need to think about? It really is very much about caring about one another. And um, so I, I realized that we had to, first of all, bring the wisdom of the map so that they could recognize the downside of both vertical and horizontal. And then we had to uh, decide what it is we could do to connect with the wisdom of one another on a daily basis. And what we realized right up front is that we had no place to do that. We also realized that there was no one person, there was no no one profession, no one discipline, no one department, no one specialty, that will ever determine safe quality care which we all wanted it would take all of us and and just knowing that it seemed logical that we had to do something to connect the many roles and the uh, the you know we had staff managers educators researchers we had think about all the disciplines that were surrounding us that you talked about when you did the um uh, the, the other broadcast uh podcast Many The many professionals alone, if you just think about it, is it's like respiratory, social, pharmacy, pastoral care, nutrition, the OT, the radio. I mean, I, we could go on and on, right? The providers, the, yep. the payers, um, and that we had to be connected. And we didn't know how to do that. A healthy culture requires partnerships, and if there's no way for them to connect, all the fragmentation duplication and repetition will simply continue. So we looked at reality and said each person's voice is important. How do we get that? Well you start you start always local. You go you start at the unit council. So we established unit councils. They look very different from the vertical. They were horizontal. And that's where the term came from. Each the units each developed a console. And then we thought, okay, we can get in trouble here. They think that they're running the show. And we said, no, any decision that's made has to have the input of each person. So we developed what we called one-on-one. It was the most powerful step we made in having success. It meant that if you're on the council, everybody can't sit on the council. If you're on the council, your accountability is to reach out to your peers. So we literally assigned. So every person had someone on that council that would connect with them and they would invite them to, Come, Anybody could come, but their voice would always be present because I, on the console, committed to connect with them as an example. And then after we did that, we thought, well, that's just great. But, you know, our patients go from unit to unit. So we have to connect our units and departments across the setting. And we went as far as to say you got to do it across the system as well. We even set up a phone tree uh, so that if something came up suddenly, we could get to people. That was very new. And the other thing is, every person who sat on the council needed to learn a whole new way of being together with their peer. And that took a great deal of work. And courage back then. Oh, that was really courageous. You're right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I mean, you know, we, we were a part of councils, right? We did this work in the field. And I think, I think that's what sets this model apart from every other kind of shared governance model that I've ever seen is just the yeah. intention to the relationship, the intention mm-hmm. to the, the communication skills, the dialogue skills, that that was equally important to the practice conversations that were being oh, held. Yeah. Right. And, and enhanced them greatly because we were in a whole nother place and in a whole nother, way of being together as you said Bonnie I I mean I think it was the heart and soul right it just made this such a significant difference in addition to bringing the voice of others mm-hmm. to it you know yeah it's not just about talking about or being empowered to own your practice right right it, this was about creating that culture that health, healthy culture yeah yeah and it, all the relationship
0: stories there's just so many of them right mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, to, and and what was important was in setting it up, and it's an ongoing, right, it's not just an implementation, one and done. As new council members came on board, went back to the basics, back to the principles, the why behind the council infrastructure, and really it was just ongoing relationship building. It never ended.
2: That's 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 critical. And as as you mentioned, Trace, you mentioned the very first principle of a partnership. It's the intention to connect with another at a a very high level around the around our mission. And I know that word is thrown out, and some people like it, and some people go, "Oh, yeah, that sounds really theoretical. It sounds like something should be on the wall." It's none of that. It's why you came in the first place. And connecting with somebody at that level is so powerful.
1: Well, and I think it makes it real, right? Like, I think our contribution to the mission became real because we were, uh, we had that sense of shared purpose towards it, right? And we were connected, and um, it, it moved it from that the words on the wall, <laughs> yeah. right, to to us actually living it together, right, as uh, interprofessional teams. And um, yeah, I think it was just it, it was really. Um, it was a phenomenal experience. I think it totally changed my whole perspective on being a healthcare clinician and being a partner with others uh, in the organization.
2: That's what partnership does. It helps you to connect with another and you know yourself more deeply from that connection. It was great personal
1: growth. Going back to the original, right. like some of the initial comments, Bonnie, about you got to do your own work, right? That was a place where you realized. <laughs> what personal work you had to do, right, um, mm-hmm. as you were trying to engage with others. But it was, uh, I think the other thing, it was a practice field. Yeah. Right? It, it, you weren't expected to be uh, perfect at the table. And, and you had partners to help you grow. hmm hmm yeah. So, you know, I, I think back to those times and how, significant that was and how we did have a culture in the organization that we were in right that was just partnering and accepting and interprofessional and um, it just it it, we were one of those organizations I think when people walked in they felt the difference you know and we had people coming from all over the country right Uh, to our facility to see how we were doing things Um, I'm just curious you know given what we've been through what we learned What's happening right now, Bonnie, what are your thoughts about what we're seeing in the literature, you know, what the the moral distress, the depression, the suicides, the the tensions, the, the stress that people are experiencing? Just what are your thoughts about that?
2: Okay, you guys, you need to know, this is very personal for me. You see, one of my closest colleagues committed suicide. Let me tell you just a bit about him. He was brilliant, compassionate and committed. He would come every day into our unit and said, okay, you need any help? Didn't matter whose patient it was. We had daily learning rounds, which he began. They were often at the same time and you, could, you would only come if your patient didn't need you. You can't imagine people did not want to miss them. It was a safe place. You could say, you know, I have not a clue what's going on here. Could you help me to understand this? And, um, it, it was okay. You were expected to share what you knew and you were expected to be honest and help each other. He he um he helped us become better um, every day. He was the m- most amazing individual. You could call him day or night and he was always always thank you for calling and he would say so glad that you noticed that. I didn't think about that. Let me let me get back and check on that. And I'll never forget the day I walked into the unit and the head nurse said, have you heard? And I said, no, heard what? She said, last night Tom committed suicide. Now I can tell you, I remember freezing and thought I can't breathe. And I, I realized I couldn't even move. But my first thought was, what role did I play in his death? How could I have not seen this? I had a, I, I, we had a close relationship. And I immediately had a feedback, you know, of, a flashback, I should say, and sometimes he would say, hey, you got a minute to talk? And we would go meet in the clean utility room. I'm not sure why, but I guess because it was clean. But one day I walked in, and he was uh, in the back of the room with his back to me. He had never done that before. He started to speak, and then he stopped. He was hesitant. He was never hesitant to speak. He came closer, and as he walked towards me, he said, well, I'm wondering. And he hesitated. I'm wondering if you would be willing to say a prayer with me for Jack. I knew who Jack was. He was a patient going to surgery that day. Tom was a neurosurgeon. He was a pioneer and at that time the outcomes were not as good as they are today and I remember thinking I wonder if he thought we blamed him for these difficult cases. Can you imagine what it would be like to spend 16 years in study and commitment and have this passion in you and care for a patient who could speak before he did surgery but not after who could walk before surgery, but not after. And I wondered, did he think we blamed him? I wondered if he knew how much we loved him and appreciated all he did. And I realized at that moment, I didn't thank him enough. And I couldn't bear this alone. And uh, that maybe I wasn't the only one. And I became loud, they told me. I deny that, but these are good people. And uh, <laughs> I very loud to the group around. And this is what I said. This is not a good place. You know what we do around here? We work each other to death and we seldom say thank you. I don't know why Tom took his life, but I knew I was privileged to have learned and work with him. And I pondered what he had taught me and how I could honor him. In the end, I decided to share whenever I had the chance to what he taught me. And it's this, if we don't first care for one another, We cannot care for those we are privileged to serve in healthcare. The majority of people, our peers, spend more waking hours at work than they do in their own homes. And if this is not a good place, what are we saying? The fatigue in the healthcare arena will not be taken care of with sleep or time off. The fatigue is deep within the soul and until it can be replenished in the workplace, it simply will worsen. When we ignore the issues that impact any individual from living the mission or whatever they hold in their heart, when we fail to connect them and to support them, we set up these circumstances that we are now living. We must take action to create healthy cultures for both those who give and receive care. And we cannot, we just cannot do this work um, without having, an infrastructure to help us to learn partnership every day.
0: Yeah, you really do need that place um, to build on your skills and even share stories, you know, like that, so that everyone can learn from them, you know. Um, So that partnership council infrastructure
1: was so important. Well, and it's the the stepping away, you know. I think what I always appreciated is it's, you can't do this work in the midst of the chaos and the stress yeah. of the delivery of care, right? Like, you have to have a place to step back, um, to reflect, to, to pause, to bring the truth, right? Like, to be in a, a safe place to do that. And uh, you just, you just can't handle all of that while you're in the midst of doing the delivery mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's the the key thing for me right is uh having that place to step back and and the support to step back right the support to be a part of that uh so you know the role of leadership to your point right is uh critical um, right. and creating these environments but also providing the resources and availability
0: yeah. So, Bonnie, what are your um, three biggest lessons regarding partnership councils?
2: Well, I guess you just mentioned the very first one, uh, uh, Trace. Um, It is not like anything else. It is not another meeting that if it gets canceled, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's not in a professional rounds. It is way more than that. It is a place where we develop dialogue, polarity thinking and principles of partnership skills, where we come together and and do that work. And in fact, um, we will not have a sustainable healthy culture without it. And when things get busy, as you mentioned, and the workload is intense, that's when every council needs to gather. That's when it's the most important.
0: Bonnie, I always remember you telling uh, the story too, that when you had hard days at work, you would always want to find out where a partnership council was happening so you could go drop in and how it would just change your spirit and things.
2: (laughs) I would literally walk and say, where is there a partnership council going on? And we knew all of them, where they were, what units, and we had so many units, you know, and it, it, that's when you were inspired and uh, excited and, uh, it was a blessing to be able to be a part of it.
1: I wish everybody could experience it. Me too. I mean, I really do. You know, it just brings you right back to, this is how the three of us got involved with each other, right, to begin with, right, how we met and developed our partnerships over the years. And and it just, you know, it was just such a phenomenal experience. I just wish every clinician and every leader, every organization could have that depth of experience. and. And that's why
2: why, that's why your work is so important, because when you bring this uh, polarity and people understand it, they know they have to do that work. And the good news is we have done it with thousands and we can help them and we can speed their process up because we've learned so much. We've made so many mistakes. We actually learn from them and we can pass it on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I love what you said earlier that um even if you don't get it right the first time, you can always retry because they're not gonna go away. I really appreciated that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of lessons. Yes. <laughs> a lot of lessons in those years. You know, but really, um, you know, it, it is just about figure it out, right? Like you don't always have the answers. And so You were such a pioneer around that to really engage people and to say, well, let's just we don't know what it is, but let's figure out what it means to us and what it can look like. And, you know, over uh, a lot of years, it evolved and grew and um, it it was, you know, a wonderful thing to experience. So thanks so much for being here to share it with us and share your story and your history around that and, you know, bring it right back to the front of our minds and hearts. Yeah. Are there any closing remarks you want to make to our listeners, Bonnie?
2: Well, I guess I would say that there is no end or final truth about relationships. There's only continuous learning. And um, David White said something that I have put it all over many of the handouts I've used for years. And that is no matter how large the organization you work in, it's too small one human soul so managing this polarity helps you to connect the many souls and i think achieve outcomes beyond our wildest dreams yeah didn't say it better nope thanks so much thank you yeah you're welcome it's always good being with you you too and you'll be back okay bye-bye (laughs)
1: bye-bye
0: tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes and rate the show and share a review because we really like
1: those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, You can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.